so. I mean, they've proved that you could travel through a wormhole. So, I mean, you think about that. If, if that is true, if you could actually travel through a wormhole and a, and a wormhole is basically a black hole. So if that's mm. true, uh, they, they, I mean, they're, 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 they're similar. So, yeah. It is it's, just, it's just nuts. And yet, you know, DHL can't get a package from <laughs> here to there. And... Welcome to Working Code. And now your hosts, none of whom have ever seen a failing unit test, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. Okay, here we go. It is show number 107. And on today's show, we don't know. We're going to get into it. We've got some stuff. It's no effort December. The train keeps rolling. But first, as usual, we'll start with our chimes and fails. Carol's out sick this week, so just the boys. Tim, why don't you go first? Yeah, no effort December, right? You, It's a 2023 problem coming up with topics. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a today problem. It's not a today. That's a, it's not a today problem. A 2022 problem. It's a 2023 problem. So I'm going to go with the Triumph just because, you know, it's like... I'm trying to think of something interesting, but it's sort of a struggle because just stuff keeps working. You poor thing. I, I know. Yeah, just, uh, you know, stuff keeps working. We're, we're building new stuff. There's new products coming out and we'll see, you know, once, once some, some of these new products launch, maybe maybe there'll be some excitement. But I just kind of feel like I need a little bit of a challenge. And I don't mean challenge in the sense of I want to fire. I definitely do not want to fire. I spent too many years of my career just being being the firefighter and and, and dealing with constant 24-7 panic and you know I almost got kind of addicted to that honestly that 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 was the only way I could actually get up in the morning was knowing that something terrible was going to happen today (laughs) and and we me and my team would have to fix it and so it's like anytime I get you know like man it's kind of kind of quiet today I, I, I slap myself on the wrist and go it could be worse so but yeah I need I need a challenge and to come up with some sort of skunk works type project to something to Kind of keep my creative juice. Yeah, I should play with. I'm, but you know, I, I don't. Front end does not get me get me going. Hmm. Front end does does seriously. You know, I, it's it's funny. I used to be the same way. I I remember. Let's see. Probably in like the early to mid two thousands, like two thousand and eight to two thousand ten. That was that was my jam, right? I was like, I am so good at making server-side pages that, that render forms and taking that data and putting it into databases. You know, I'm, I'm crud forms for life. That's my job. <laughs> and God, that got so boring so fast. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you, I've become just recently fascinated with Hotwire. Have you guys heard of that? It's from the Basecamp I heard, guys. I heard about it from you. So it, it, it's it's basically my understanding, and I haven't really played with it at all yet, Is is it takes what you're talking about, Adam, which is the traditional server request response building CRUD style pages, and then sort of sprinkles Ajaxified interactions on top of it, where it's still making the full page request behind the scenes via Ajax, but then it's plucking out just portions of the rendered page and then using that to dynamically update. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it seems like, I mean, it doesn't solve every solution. It doesn't solve every problem. And they're very upfront about that, that this is for a particular type of web application, but I don't know. I'm fascinated by the by the kind of a nostalgia of of the web apps of of yesteryear. <laughs> I, I kind of want to say, I'm pretty sure it was the 37 Signals, or I don't know if that's still the name that they go by, but that that crew 
pretty sure the last thing that they did that I actually like 100% loved was they had around Christmas time, I think it was like Christmas time 2020, they had a service where you could, I think, send them an email or something and it would like it had a, a little machine. It would like print it out and go up a little <laughs> treadmill and then into it a literal dumpster fire. Oh my God, I remember that. That was fun. And it like was had a, a live webcam feed of it. So you could see your your thing come through. Yeah, so that's, you know, I need a, I need a challenge. Maybe over Christmas break, I'll be off, a, we get off a week. So maybe I'll do a hackathon or something on some sort of technology I think is interesting to just kind of play around. So... What if what if you let your customers start paying with Bitcoin? Just throw, uh, just throw that in there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that actually is on our, our roadmap. Not oh, our really not our yeah, not our one year roadmap, but our five year roadmap. <laughs> it, and it, you'll be and the only reason I'll tell you so the only reason is so we get these RFPs, you know, requests for proposals. And customers, because we're in payments, they'll they'll like you know, what ways can you pay? And they and I'm sure it's one of those things that it's just a checkbox, but it's like Bitcoin is on there. They mm. want to know, can, can we pay with Bitcoin? Mm. And so my, my goal is that within five years to have every, to be able to answer positively on every RFP on every single question. And that's one of them. Mm-hmm. So will people use it? Probably not because there was a period of time where can you pay through Facebook? And I, I created this whole Facebook pay thing and it worked slick. It worked great. People, people signed up for it. No one ever used it. Not once. <laughs> They paid for it. They gave me a licensing fee, but they never once used it. And I'm like, so this is one of those checkbox things, right? So Wait, is, is Facebook payments, is that a thing that I don't know about? Well, it, so it was, is not a payment method through Facebook, but it was, it was basically your inner, you, you would do messenger. It was basically an IVR over messenger. So you would, you would chat with, with the digital assistant over, you would like go to this insurance company's Facebook page and, 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 a messenger pop up and say, would you like to, you know, look up your policy and you look up a policy and then you can make a payment. The payment would actually redirect you to another because, pay- you know, can't put credit card data into Facebook because it's not PCI compliant. But yeah, so it really wasn't like Facebook pay gotcha. or like, like, like Apple pay is a real thing, but Facebook, this was just a way to make a payment through Facebook because, you know, all the kids are on Facebook these days. Actually, <laughs> no, they're not, but not anymore. So, nobody knows because... It's a audio podcast, but I was over here making gross faces when you were talking about paying with Bitcoin. And it's funny because I'm the person who has the most institutional knowledge on our team about our payment stuff. Like I rewrote the entire pay flow stuff to be able to support configurable payment gateways, right? So we originally had one provider and then we wanted to add support for Braintree. And I was like, okay, well, getting from one to two is the hard part if you do it right. And then going from two to three to 10 to 12 is nothing if you've done it right. And so I did, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about it and doing it right. And, and so like, I know the guts of payment flow very well right now. Mm -hmm. And my personal position currently is if they tell me, if I'm told to implement, you know, decentralized, whatever cryptocurrency as a payment method, my answer is going to be no. (laughs) You can fire me or you can just accept the no. And, and, you know, look, I'm not saying that opinion will never change, but that's my opinion of it right now. Like, it's just, there's no good reason. The only good reason to implement it is to be able to say that you can support it. So that some VP somewhere who has a bug Mm -hmm. up their butt about accepting Bitcoin is going to be the future. Like, no. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't disagree with you on that. I honestly don't. I'm sure there would be some people that would pay with it, but it's not worth the effort. 
in my opinion, no. right now. It'd be really funny if, if someone actually implemented a, a barter-based payment system. Mm. We could be like, oh, I can't pay them my invoice this month, but I got this bicycle I'm not using anymore. <laughs> it's funny. So it's funny you say that. We're, we're going off topic here in the very first try up here. But <laughs> that's okay. So one of our earliest customers, earliest customers, this is like, they, we were, they were a customer even before I joined the company in, in 2000, was a company called Trade Bank. And I think they're still in business. And they, they were a barter company. So basically, you could say if you were like a, a our local vet actually has their sticker on the door, Trade Bank. If you had, if you offered any sort of service, you could pay with Trade Bank dollars. And so what it was, is so it's like, let's say is a $200 vet visit, right? Well, you could pay them in, in Trade Bank. So like, I'm a web designer. I've done some work for someone and we, we swap in Trade Bank money. So you could basically just use this barter system to do that in. And, and it never really took off. I think it was kind of local to around the Southeast area, but it, it was a brilliant scheme because Trade Bank could just print money. And I think that's kind of what did them in. They, they could just mm-hmm. generate, you know, they could just generate their own dollars inside the system and they could go buy stuff and they would buy art and different things. Mm. And we were paid, our company was paid in Trade Bank dollars. And so like, at one point, we had this huge reserve of like hundreds of thousands of dollars for the trade, and we weren't doing it. So my boss is like, that's what he was taking his his payments. And that's how he was paying himself because he didn't have a salary. So he would like, you know, buy artwork and different things and just, and you know, and then resell it to, to, to pay his own paycheck. <laughs> to launder so. it into cash. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was an interesting, interesting thing. But yeah, it would definitely be good to actually be the, the, the company that was the bank because I mean all it was was just generating numbers for yeah. them yeah that was so the first thing that I thought of like okay but where, what's the first trade and how does new value enter the system yeah right like yeah anyway. I thought I thought you were going to say it was like a pawn shop that had dollar <laughs> credits where yeah. you could trade in you know a used bike or something and get a hundred dollars and what was yeah. that whatever the name of the company was yeah. So yeah, if I did like two thousand dollars with the web development for someone, you know, I would get two thousand dollars trade bank dollars in exchange, and you just swap those around and pay for stuff. So it was interesting. All right, well, that, enough about me, Adam. What you got? I think I'm going to go with a couple of mini triumphs here. So the fence that was and then wasn't now is again back on the schedule to be nice, built. nice. So it'll be happening, I think, in like a week or two. Were, were they able to reuse the posts that they had already put in? Uh, that We haven't gotten that far yet. Oh, okay. The, the okay. new materials have arrived at the fencing company. Mm-hmm. Like they don't keep it in stock. They had to order it. And so now, they, now that they have it, they've put us on the schedule to come back out and redo the install. So what was, I guess, supposed to be a one-day install job is now going to be like a, a three-quarter day de-install job and a three-quarter day install job or something like that, or one-day install job. So, but it's happening. So, you know, we're moving forward, thankfully. That's a mini thing. This is not at all my thing, but I'm taking, I'm calling it a triumph because I've been eagerly awaiting this. So a couple of days ago, as we record this, actually yesterday, as we record this, SvelteKit 1.0 was officially released, nice. um, which is big for me because, you know, I've been eager to use SvelteKit, but they're for about... Two months ago, they announced like a whole bunch of breaking changes that they were going to be making and like big re-architecture stuff. 
And that really took all the wind out of my sails for playing with SvelteKit, the framework. So I've done some Svelte stuff, but not SvelteKit. Kit is like the the next JS for Svelte. Mm-hmm. So I've just been doing the like, you know, the the Svelte, which is like the the React to to next JS. And you know, it's good. I'm enjoying the work, but I can clearly see how Svelte Kit will be even better. And I'm excited because now I can actually use it and not have to worry about the breaking changes and all that stuff. So very excited about that. Very cool. And then I know I spent a bunch of time talking about changes that we were making in support of Emoji. And I would be hard pressed to say for sure that this is the very first email that we've sent that had emoji in it, but it was the first one that we noticed went out today that had emoji in the subject. And so that that made it appear on our dashboard where we monitor all of the outgoing mail. So that was kind of a milestone. Do you have any, and this might be proprietary, but do you have anything like click through or open tracking? We do. Okay. Because I'm curious. There's controversy, or at least I've heard of controversy around whether or not emojis increase or decrease interactions with the email. So mm-hmm. I'd be curious to know if, if you guys are discovering any patterns emerging. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, it's, it's the first really email, to say so. for this particular email. And also they didn't, that I saw, do any like A-B testing. I think if you were to, to do anything scientific, you'd have to have, you know, clear, you know, this is the only difference type right, of right, right. change. And, and they didn't do that. This particular school would be good at it because they're really good at segmenting. And, and they, so... From the tools that we've built, we've give them, given them ways to create very niche-focused segments of their audience and then send a message, a, a targeted message to that segment, right? The content of the message or the way that it's, like the perspective of the message or whatever, is very tailored to the audience, right? And most schools don't bother with that. You know, they they like, okay, here's a list of 300,000 people and an email, send it, go. <laughs> and this school... They're really good at like, okay, we're going to do segments, you know, like our engineering majors want the engineering news and the, you know, the journalism majors want the journalism news sort of thing. So they, they like split it up in, you know, they might want to send 50,000 emails, but they'll send it across 40 segments or something. And so there's like 40 different messages each to a much smaller segment. Anyway, yeah, they, so they could, I guess, you know, split and, and do some A-B testing. We would love to add A-B testing tools to our our features or to our Mm -hmm. modules but it's not currently in the cards like we've just got bigger fish to fry right now so yeah that's like a one-day thing that's really interesting though email this is a derail us december right so (laughs) (laughs) i mean email is just so fascinating because it's one of those technologies that everyone kind of poo-poos and it's so old and to to tim's point all the kids are on facebook (laughs) (laughs) they're they're not (laughs) but email is just it 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 persists and it and it and it makes a huge difference and it and it's still such a primary means of Mm -hmm. communicating with everyone i mean it's absolutely the best form of error logging (laughs) (laughs) you're you're fired (laughs) i was actually listening to an interview with the cto of I can't remember if it's the CTO or the CEO now. I think he's the CTO of MailChimp. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about the volume of email that they send. And it's it's numbers I can't even wrap my head around. I I I'm sure this is not correct, but I think he was saying they send like a billion emails. I, I want I feel like he said a day. They have like 217 shards. Of like they have like 217 replications of their entire application running or something. I mean, it was. See, I thought you were going to say per hour. 
it, it's wow. just, it's bananas the amount of email they send. Yeah. Not surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I got one customer that I feel like sends that much email. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe Ben, now we move on to you. How's your triumph or fail going? I'm, I'm going, it's a triumph-ish, which is that a while back, maybe like a year ago, two years ago, I added comment moderation to my blog so that unless you have a, a, an approval, um, you, you, you know, you, you can't post comments directly to the site. They, they essentially get put into a pending queue and then I have to approve them. You have a blog? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't even remember why I added comment moderation. I think it was because someone said a bunch of really jerky things. I'm like, you know what? I just can't stand people anymore. So I'm going to. That Ray Camden. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was me. For. It was me. <laughs> so anyway, the comment moderation hasn't made a huge difference, except I woke up yesterday morning and I had hundreds of pending comments in my comment queue. And I had like hundreds of contact form submissions. Someone had started maliciously scanning my site from Australia. There were about 38 unique IP addresses from Australia, which I don't know how hard it is to get 38 unique IP addresses on on cloud infrastructure. I presume it's pretty easy, but to me, it seems very sophisticated. But anyway, I mean, nothing like that had ever really happened to me. But the triumph is that comment moderation basically took the brunt of it and users didn't see anything. They didn't see any malicious content being posted to the site. There was no service interruption or anything like that. And uh, I don't know, I feel like that was pretty exciting. But, uh, so, so what was the content they were trying to post? It, it, it was just like gobbledygook. I mean, there yeah. wasn't even advertisements for anything. It was just, I, I think they were just like automatically probing everything that they could try and probe. They they weren't trying to sell V1 Agra or anything. No, it was that's the way, there. There was just a bunch of junk. You know, I guess I guess were if there they links can, in it? No, that's the crazy thing. I guess what happens though is they they probably I'm a, I'm guessing they are programmatically trying to post things and then checking to see if it shows up, and then if it shows up, I assume then they post a bunch of mm-hmm. crap. But it was a. yeah, just I mean, people are the worst, and and so it's a triumph ish because it's a triumph that that there was no negative repercussions in the in the site itself but it is a bit of a failure in that clearly i need to add some sort of rate limiting to some degree you know to just try and stop some of this but what do you use for your comment moderation is it home rolled or yeah hand-rolled? everything's home rolled okay i like i like i like to build stuff <laughs> yeah that's, that's what personal projects are for, right? I was a little surprised, though, that so I everything is fronted, everything is everything sits behind Cloudflare, mm-hmm. and Cloudflare usually I think blocks a lot of malicious stuff, and for whatever reason, it didn't catch any of this, and maybe be, maybe, well, maybe there were too did. many, or maybe it caught some of it. I actually, so I did go into Cloud. This is why I know how many IP addresses there were because I did have to. I looked in my uh, in my data. And use that to create some IP address blocking rules inside of Cloudflare. You can go into their uh, their web application firewall rules, and you can just start blocking ranges of IP addresses. And I so I put the kibosh on that. And then it's interesting. So then the scan continued for I'd say like a solid twelve hours, even after I blocked all the IP addresses. But because you, you can see them showing up in Cloudflare as being blocked by my rules, so they weren't even checking for success on any of their actions, it seemed like. And it all, IP info, I don't know if anyone, did you guys ever use ipinfo.io? It's a, mm-hmm. it's a cool little site where you can just put in 
IP addresses and like chunks of IP addresses and it'll tell you where they're from and like what oh, corporation yeah, like, is associated G- to them. Yeah. There's several sites like geolocation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things, yeah. And all of these IP addresses were being announced as uh, Microsoft, but I assume that just means it's like Azure Cloud Compute or something. Probably. So yeah, well, good. That, that's me. Three triumphs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the energy is really flowing right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's no effort, man. No effort. <laughs> Well, I see here, let's see, Tim is breaking stuff, Ben is worried about cutting his fingers off, and we're going to talk about OAuth. <laughs> no, I'm not breaking stuff, I'm talking about breakthroughs. I know. I'm trying to make it sound good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I'll kick it off then. I have, over the years, amassed a series of barbells of various lengths and dimensions, and I have them kind of in a pile on the floor in the basement. And some of them are pretty heavy. Some of them are, you know, like 15 not to I mean, not to brag. You're, you're swole, bro. <laughs> you get it. And I, I get nervous having to get them off the floor because I'm not flexible, especially in my hamstrings. And so getting all the way down to the ground, picking up, I feel like I'm, I'm bound to hurt myself. So I do. What about the ones what? that have their own parking spots? <laughs> <laughs> So ideally, what I would like is to build myself some sort of a barbell rack. And yeah. uh, and I think it's, for people who know how to work with wood, I think it's probably the easiest possible thing to build. It's basically just like a little frame with some some like little notches on it that, that you can rest the barbells on. I'm sure if I was taking like an intro to woodworking class, I could build something like this. But I am so absolutely terrified of cutting my fingers off. <laughs> that I, if, if, if I even deign to attack this problem, it will be with a manual, you know, sliding back and forth kind of a saw because getting near like any sort of, yeah, yeah, handsaw, like getting near any type of, of mechanically rotating blade. I, I just, I'm, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. And I, and I, what's wish funny I is your, your, your fear would probably even make you like just accidentally just do it. That's all you're thinking about. <laughs> just don't touch it. Don't touch it. <laughs> but I know, Adam, like you do a, you do a ton of woodworking and mm-hmm. uh, you also use your fingers for uh, income. <laughs> and so you don't seem to have any of this fear. Was there, was there fear in the beginning? Did you have to overcome this fear or you were just from day one, you were, mm. didn't matter? So interesting. He asks question. the guy who jumps out of planes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out where. How, how do I start my answer to this? So, I guess I would say my my initial exposure to woodworking would have been in high school in like shop class, right? And so mm-hmm. there we had, you know, the 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 stereotypical teacher with nine fingers. You know, like <laughs> did he really? Whole, yeah, and the first whole the oh whole first week of of the class was like you know we're just focusing on safety and what to do and what not to do and what to do in an emergency and all this stuff, and then we finally got to make you know a banana stand and a, a little rabbit thing like flat pack rabbit. <laughs> anyway, so I got exposed to it early on, and then I got out of it for a long time. And then I got the bug again. Oh, that's what it was. So several years ago, my wife wanted a growth chart to track our children's heights as they grow. Right. So Talking it looks like, like the old school. The, yeah, yeah. Huh? It, it looks like a ruler, you know, like the, the ruler you had in school that was like a piece of wood with a little metal edge on that on the side. Mm-hmm. And you take that and you stand it on end and then you put it up against the wall and then you 
scale it out so that an inch on there is a foot in in real life, right? So you've got a like a six foot ruler, and so really all it was was wow, like, way well, to limit your kids, <laughs> just six feet. Well, so I started mine at like three quarters of a foot or three quarters of an inch, so that it goes up to six and three quarters, right? So so if they could go to six foot, what is it? nine or something and and that would be but they're okay they that's, have that's my fair. jeans they're not going to be six nine they'll be like six two <laughs> six three if they're lucky um anyway so it was a really simple project right it was like i, I went to the home depot i bought a board i, I had I, I used some tools from my brother-in-law to like you know make the board nicer like around the edges and corners and stuff and then i stained it real nice i put a nice coat of finish on it and i had bought like on amazon an applique i guess you would call it it's like a giant sticker Mm-hmm. of the the ruler and it's all to scale and everything. So you just like stick it down and make sure it goes on straight and doesn't have any bubbles or whatever. And that was it. Like, and then I put a little keyhole thing in the back of it to hang it on the wall. And that was like my reawakening into woodworking. It was like, wait a minute, I really enjoy making stuff. This wasn't even, you know, that much of a make, but it was like, wait a minute, oh, totally. this is unlocking something in me. And so from there, I got, I went deep into a rabbit hole of YouTube I got real into like maker YouTube. And if you want, I could give you some suggestions, especially like for, you know, for the position that you are in, right? Somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of tools, doesn't have any experience and, and just wants to like safely get into it and and know, you know, what to build, what how to do it safely, correctly and, and learn mm-hmm. from it and that sort of thing. And I, I probably watched oh, way too much uh, YouTube before <laughs> I even actually got started. but. One of the benefits of that is, you know, sort of the evergreen content of Maker YouTube is safety stuff, right? So tips on how to use the table saw safely, tips on how to use the bandsaw safely or whatever. And so I, I learned a lot from that. And then because of the high school stuff and because of the YouTube stuff, I went into it with a healthy respect for the tools. I've always been, thanks for the anxiety, mom, but I've, I've always <laughs> been a, a catastrophist. You know, everything I do, I'm constantly like, what's the worst that could happen here? And so I think that that also contributed to my just you know, general approach to everything. Always like not, I'm not afraid to try stuff, but I try to be cautious and conservative about it and notice when things go wrong or are about to go wrong and try to learn from that. And, you know, that's not to say I haven't made any mistakes. I don't think I've hurt myself with tools in any significant way, you know, more than just like, you know, bumping something and getting a cut or whatever. But I'm not talking about like bumping a, a spinning saw blade. I'm talking about like, walking backwards into my bandsaw when it's off and like the the sharp edge of the table right you know like pokes me that sort of thing but yeah i mean i would say i would say, i would say ben if you're scared of like you know woodworking injuries do not watch the movie walk the line which was uh, that this is johnny cash biopic is, is that the one with the reese witherspoon and uh, yeah yeah i've seen that joaquin phoenix did he does he so hurt his brother his, yeah his brother they're like working like doing sawing, like making boards. Yeah. And his brother fell on the moving blade and died. And, and his mom's like, the wrong kid died. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so so the irony, I mean, Adam mentions, thank you, mom, for the anxiety. My dad was a terribly skilled woodworker. I mean, the man could build anything. And he had, he built himself a whole workshop off the side of the house with like, all kinds of machinery and just was not afraid to do anything and try building anything. And somehow that skipped generation and Mm. whatever (laughs) chutzpah he had, it does not exist in me at all. 
But could he build his own content moderation? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so going back to the intrusive thoughts of like, you know, don't reach in there, don't touch the saw blade. I, you know, even as experienced as I am, you know, it's, there's certain things like I have a CNC machine, which is a computer controlled router, right? So it's got the spinny bit, spinny blade. Mm-hmm. It's like a, like a, a stick sticking out of the, uh, out of a motor makes it spin and it's got a blade on it and that's kind of pointing down and then you you can lay down and and secure a piece of wood underneath of it and you have a computer that can control it x y and z and so you can cut out different things or or create textures and all kinds of fun stuff and it's not something that I struggle with but it's every now and then I just catch myself going I could t- I if I, I, there's nobody to stop me I could just stick my hand in there <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, life is full of risk, man. All right. Well, maybe in in the 2023 year in review, I will be able to report some some very low effort woodworking abilities. Yeah. You, you know what I do? So I, and I totally get your fear, Ben, because I have this constant like recurring dream of like my fingers falling off. And a lot, a lot of it has to do with the fact that I'm like, I, when I'm sleeping, I press on the headboard and my hand starts, <laughs> my hand starts to hurt. And then my dreams start to interpret that as like my skin's falling off. My fingers are coming off. So when I do woodworking, I use a jigsaw. I mean, it's really hard to cut a finger off with a jigsaw. What's a it's, jigsaw? Mm, <laughs> so it's a little handheld, little handheld thing. Kind oh, of, yeah, yeah. It like has the blade little, goes up and down. Kind little, of a, little blade goes yeah, reciprocal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes up and down. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely skin it pretty good, but it's like, that's completely different from like a high speed, you know, yeah. table saw where you like just slap your hand down, like hand cut in half kind of thing. I, yeah, I think so. I, I think maybe I've actually used a jigsaw when I was a kid, ironically. So I think I had more guts as a kid than I did as an adult or than I do. Yeah. Yeah. had less knowledge. That's true. <laughs> I had less to lose. <laughs> yeah. The same amount to lose 10 <laughs> fingers, but. So for your barbell rack, though, if you if it is something you do decide to pursue, I would say be careful to overbuild it, especially if you're going to be putting these gigantic mm. yeah, car-sized yeah. barbells on there. <laughs> yeah. You know, think about, you know, am I using a cheap two-by... Well, no, they're no longer cheap, but, you know, material, low-quality low material, not cheap, two-by-four from Lowe's <laughs> to, to hold up, you know, five barbell, or I guess they're not... You're probably going to do even pairs but you're like 10 barbells that are all each over 50 pounds right you know that's a lot to ask from mm-hmm. you know a, a, a third of a two by four or something like that right yeah so yeah definitely. overbuild it agreed or better yet just learn welding and you don't have to worry about your fingers <laughs> there you go and max could teach you yeah max yeah max should show you i was gonna say maybe you're not that far from me maybe you should just come down and hang out with me for a day and we'll build something that'd be fun actually yeah, can have some hers cool. potato chips. <laughs> some hers. <laughs> uh, we'll take some hymns. <laughs> some hers and hymns. Oh, yeah. Once you get a certain age, that's all the advertising you see on Facebook these days. <laughs> Not the hers, just the hymns. Anyway. <clears throat> So I'm going to take it from here, Ben, if, you, if you're done. <laughs> Go for yeah. it. So maybe it's me just getting older. You know, you know how, how you old folks like I'm are, also are getting older. Yeah. Things that everyone's getting older, but it's like, it, you know, it's, folks talk about how things change so fast. I can't keep up. Watch this uh, internet thing. Right. But seriously, this just this past 
even just like six months, I've just had this feeling from all the news I read, and I, I always read the news. So it's not like it's a new thing that I'm, I'm reading tech news, but there's been a huge amount of what I feel are significant breakthroughs you know, mm-hmm. that have well, come out recently. I mean, you're not wrong. So just to, to zoom out a little bit here, I don't, I don't know the exact number. So again, you know, Working Code Podcast, your number one source for misinformation about things. <laughs> but yeah. um, the, what we would think of as like, you know, recorded human history is like, less than a percent of actual human history, mm-hmm. right? right? So we're yep. talking about from the time that they built the pyramids until earlier this week, they announced the first successful fusion reaction. Yeah, right? that, that's what I was, that's one of the things I was thinking about. Right. So yeah, like you're, you're absolutely right. The, 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 it feels like we're still accelerating. Yeah, it, it is crazy. So it's like, yeah, we, the announcement just this week was that they, they actually can, created a, a fusion reaction we used to call it cold fusion but it's like super hot laser so i don't know how cold it is but that actually generated more power than was put into it right mm-hmm. so that's a huge milestone they've been working for that forever that the whole joke about cold fusion is that not the programming language the actual ge- energy generation is that it's always 30 years away but now with this kind of thing it's like you know what it might be just 10 years away now for, mm-hmm. for real right and they're not the only ones. There's there's several other tracks of of ways of doing fusion that have had significant results recently. But this one was touted by the U.S. government because they've spent billions on it, so they have to tout it. But and then so the stuff with you know the mRNA vaccines, yeah, vaccines. So so just recently they announced that they have they can create a vaccine to treat cancer. Hmm. Crazy. I missed that yeah. one. Yeah, so I mean, it was just it was Certain just this cancer. So this one they're focusing on. I mean, they could possibly do it on all types of cancer, but the one they're focusing on is melanoma. Mm-hmm. So, so with melanoma, they can, they, but it has to be like a personalized build. So they they can take your cells, your melanoma cells. They can build an mRNA. mRNA is basically you basically give it a mugshot of what you want to kill. You, you put that in a vaccine and that vaccine goes off and kills it. That's a very super simplified way of looking at it, but it just gets, says, here's a, here's a section of, of, of cells that represent this cancer. Go kill it. Mm-hmm. And they, they did that. And I mean, it's, it's working. They can also take, so take a, so people have rare forms of blood leukemia that are incurable that would net this person would necessarily die a young girl was cured of it using the same sort of cell manipulation, DNA manipulations. They would take a healthy, they would take a healthy white blood cell, modify it and modify the DNA so that it would find basically all the cancerous blood cells in her body and kill them. And once it killed them all, they would give her a, they gave her a bone marrow transplant and it would generate healthy blood cells after that white blood cells after that. It's so it's like it's just crazy, yeah. Well, and talking, I mean, I don't know if this is building on top of CRISPR, but CRISPR, as far as gene editing, yeah. is like a, it is a whole nother just crazy bananas awesome thing. I mean, yeah. awesome depending on who you talk to. It's it's funny. I read a lot of like sci-fi, near future, potentially apocalyptic. You know, like people see what's interesting in the news, and then how could it go wrong? And then they write a book about, you know, that potential future. And those are the ones that I tend to gravitate toward. And so I've read several books in the last couple of years that are based on like the idea of CRISPR and gene hacking and 
that sort of thing. I just finished one mm-hmm. like three days ago called uh, Upgrade, which was really good. Yeah, and, and and so I mean that's like biochemistry and and just even like the stuff that's gone with AI. We, we talked about a lot the past few episodes, mm-hmm. but just the AI has like grown leaps and bounds within the past six to eight months. I mean, yeah, how it, good it's gotten. It was less than a year ago that I was like, that's a joke, right? They'll, they'll yeah. they will not come for our jobs within my lifetime. And I still think that would be a bit excessive to expect them to come for our jobs in my lifetime. But I've totally changed my position on having them there to augment, you know, the, the code that we're writing. I was working on something today and, you know, this is just GitHub Copilot where, you know, it's like doing something repetitive, right? So I was making, I was adding a set of database columns to a bunch of API resources and you've got a bunch of different views of the same data. So I was going around and I still had the files open where I'd already added the columns in one place and then, you know, go over here and I hit enter to go to a new line and I start just a couple of characters of the first one that I want to add and it's like, oh, do you, are you trying to add this? And it was the first one and it, and one at a time, you know, I, I would say, okay, sure, accept that and it's the first one. It hit enter and it would immediately suggest the second one, like sure, tab, enter. Tab, enter, mm-hmm. tab, enter, tab, enter. And it was like, sure, save me all that time. Thanks. Yeah. yeah it, did, it just, and that's very, very new. I mean, that's this year, that stuff mm-hmm. that, that's really taken off. Second half of this year. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I just like, so you talk about, you don't, they're not coming for your jobs. Talk to artists right now. Right. right. So I'm seeing a lot of extremely negative pushback, you know. So these are just people who are like playing with some of like the, the, the AI filters, right? That that do artwork on your on your face and stuff like that. Linza, I think, is a popular one. And this I, I talked about earlier. She like she's a cosplayer, and she would like just kind of like put prompts in to come up with things to see how she looks. And she deleted all of them because like someone basically lambasted her, saying you're stealing from artists and you're t-, you know like people have very black and white opinions mm-hmm. about this right now. And it's like you know the genie's out of the bottle here. Yeah, this isn't going away, and I don't think this is going to get resolved in the next ten years. Honestly, I don't think we've really fully dealt ethically with the the last revolution of just the computers, the computer, like you being able to do things with computers and and. So when and you say internet, dealt ethically with it, you're talking about like you know how we have the internet and and it was not thoughtfully spread and so now like the social injustices of the real world have just kind of repeated themselves in the online yeah. world well, well i mean well i mean think about like for instance you know how google will just, just scrape like news sites and then put them up as part of their search results that you mm-hmm. don't even have to go to the news site mm-hmm. so these news sites are like generating content but they don't get any benefit from it if person just looks at the google result and just looks at it and goes okay and they don't actually go to the site and get the ads or whatever yeah. so so it's like the rate of change and the breakthroughs just particularly this year just have made me feel like, wow, are we at a inflection point or is this like, I'm just catching up with the rest of the world. Well, and I think I even heard some news piece about quantum computing. Like you can, Oh my God. You can start to rent quantum computer, like rent time on these massively powerful quantum computers. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even understand the science behind it, but it sounds crazy. So you brought that up. That was another thing. So that was a breakthrough. So they were able to prove, apparently, on a quantum computer, a Google quantum computer, the actual an actual wormhole. 
Oh, this is the sending Wait. data through like protons moving at the same right. speed or something kind of right. thing. Spooky yeah, action so, so, at a distance. Exactly. Spooky action at, at a distance. So Einstein Rosen basically said that, you know, wormhole, you could possibly go in one end and out the other, but they couldn't come up with a way to figure out, you know, the wormholes can kind of collapse on their own. So they couldn't actually tra- traverse through it. And later, I think it was like 2018, I think it was. The number is probably wrong, but anyway, so someone basically came up with that that Einstein-Rosen bridge is actually the exact same thing. The wormhole is the same thing as spooky action at a distance. And so they, a couple of scientists, like three or four scientists, spent two years working on a, a Google quantum computer and actually showed in real time that information that went in one side came out the other, but the distance was longer than it should have been because it was going through a wormhole. Hmm. Crazy. So, I mean, they've proved that you could travel through a wormhole. So, I mean, you think about that. If if that is true, if you can actually travel through a wormhole, and a, and a wormhole is basically a black hole. So, if that's mm. true, uh, they, they're, 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 they're similar. So, yeah. It is it's, just, it's just nuts. And yet, you know, DHL can't get a package from <laughs> here to there. And- Ew. So, here, just to put it all in perspective a little bit though i find it fascinating that given all of this crazy stuff i'll every now and then be flipping through tv and i'll come across this show it's been on i want to say like at least 15 or 20 years called how it's made have you ever seen that show oh yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. it feels like it was the original asmr it's just like a monotonic person narrator talking about how factories work like oh how did this basketball get made and talks about all the machinery that goes into it when they look at these machines that build these stuff in the factories, I'm, I'm blown away that we can do that kind of stuff that, that, you know, some like there's a machine that rolls the steel and then cuts it. And there's a machine that applies the labels and then something that spurts goo into it and then applies the top. <laughs> I mean, and then like, and then packages it and then saran wraps it. And then they add the fleeb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Tim got it. I don't know if no. I got it. It was just—it was funny. a Rick and Morty reference. <laughs> I just—I just enjoyed it. But I, yeah, and and you know, these factories have been around for ages. It feels like, and the stuff that they, they, that they're doing in there with these giant machines is amazing to me. And and the economies of scale that that produces, right? Like oh when you make goodness. a billion basketballs a year, you can sell them for three ninety nine, even though the exact same materials and the exact same methodologies would t- cost me like fifty dollars to make one basketball, right? Right. And and their cooking stuff—that's the thing that I think blows my mind the most—is is their cooking things with such extreme precision. Where you know a company that creates pancakes frozen pancakes they're making like a million pancakes a day or something in their factory and they're all exactly the same quality i mean it's mind-boggling if if you want to watch something funny get, there's a youtube channel called hugbees hugbees it's called hugbees how it's actually made and it's a parody of so they take these videos like they're like they show the actual how something is made but it's a complete the, the guy is like has a very serious voice but it's a complete <laughs> joke it's so hilarious that sounds fun we'll have to, we'll have to share a link that to that it's super funny so actually i want to take this discussion and go back to tech with it right so you were talking about how yeah. you know the the rate of change continues to accelerate and and i think that we can all just kind of generally agree that that is also true for tech we don't have to give any specific examples we just 
Yeah, for sure. You can tell it, it's true because of the way it is. And I think the, the only thing that's coming to me for like ways that we're going to have to find to deal with this is through increased specialization, right? We've already seen it where like, I don't know, was it five years ago, 10 years ago? There was no such thing as a front end developer, right? There was just, right. I'm a web, I'm a webmaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so like now we have front end and back end developers, we have DevOps, we have, you know, probably a dozen other, you know, I'm sure you have Kubernetes specialists, right? Like, I, I don't know how, but I think we're going to have to continue to specialize so that the problem space of things that are continuing to grow and innovate you know, there's less of it that you have to pay attention to, which makes it possible for you to stay on top of it well enough to be good at that professional. That professional until the AI just takes over, you just explain the program to it. <laughs> so uh, again, going back to that, like the way that I found that to be super useful beyond just like Copilot, but like Chat GPT, I've been using that to have it write Linux command line like commands like i'll say you know generate a linux alias that will pull the third line out of this file and grab the seventh column tab delimited and reverse the string and you know whatever things that mm -hmm. it needs to do and it's like here you go what really that's amazing. yeah, yeah. I, I saw you posted something about like generating a, a git request mm -hmm. to basically squash all the commits in a branch oh yeah yeah so we were talking about the, the one the ftx their trial was starting in government whatever today or not today but that day and so somebody made somebody posted something that like basically git commit in their repository was being used as evidence against them like that mm -hmm. they knew what, that what they were doing was wrong yeah N never liquidate alameda was, yeah. was the, the comment and and so like i was like okay well how can i turn this into something humor so i, I asked chat gpt to generate like a Linux alias named Raid, right? The the alias name is Raid, and it's you know squash all all commits on the branch down to one commit, and <laughs> <laughs> you know like give it some super generic a commit message. I didn't realize it could do stuff like this. I haven't tried it. I just see the things people are posting on social media. Well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Apparently, I, I think Chat GPT is used by Codepilot. I think that they might have some similar like it, there might be some overlap in the engine or something but I don't think from what I've heard that they are okay using each other but again you know your source for misinformation <laughs> not misinformation just uh, <laughs> uninformed it's not, opinions it, it's, it's not fake news it's just wrong news <laughs> 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 we've never let not knowing what the truth is get in the way of exactly. having opinions Ignorance, ignorance is is not something we shy away from. <laughs> Here's this, going back to some mm -hmm. of the bioengineering stuff for a second, and and this is such a fascinating thing to me, and I and I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but I remember hearing a an interview with one of the people who was working on the CRISPR project, and they were talking about how they're taking the economies of scale, kind of like what Adam's talking about, and applying it to CRISPR, and in China. They had some massive laboratory where, you know, they have like a hundred thousand mice or something. I think they were talking about, and they're using CRISPR to just randomly try changing the genes. And they're like, wow. "We don't know what it's going to do, but we have a hundred thousand mice." Yeah, but you know, <laughs> like we'll just tweak this gene and see what happens. And they're doing that at the scale of hundreds of thousands of mice. And it's just like it's just mind-boggling to take 
to take just to to brute force progress that way it's kind of it's it's both terrifying and and awe-inspiring at the same time that's like the plot of any of you know, one out of every five of the last 20 books that I've read. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, Ben, you had this other thing on here. Yeah, social logins. So by social logins, what I mean is you go to, to say, sign in to discuss commenting, which is a commenting feature on a lot of static sites. And you can sign in with GitHub, or you can sign in with Twitter, or you can sign in with, with WordPress, or you can sign in with your email. And I, I totally understand the allure of wanting to sign in with a social network because it's like one less password you have to create. But the thing that bugs me is I can never remember which thing I use to sign into something. Yes. Like, I'm like, oh, was I in a Twitter mindset? So I logged in with my Twitter or did I want to be more professional? So I started logging into everything with GitHub I, or like, did was GitHub not always an option and it got added later? So maybe it isn't the thing that I used. Yep. And I and and there are sites now that I see that don't even offer a standard username and password or email mm-hmm. password option. Like it's only social logins. Yep. And I'm I'm just sort of over it. I don't enjoy it. I'm adding things to one password is so easy. Yep. And and I have all the control. And I just I would rather do that all the time. I don't enjoy the social login experience. My rule used to be like. I would just use Twitter for everything because I was on Twitter and right. I, I and I had a an early distaste for Facebook. So my role was like just never Facebook, right? If that's right. if that's uh, <laughs> one of the options, I knew it was not the one that I had chosen. And then I hit Goodreads, and it's like I had I, I think I had a username and password there, but either they were really pushing social login or something, and and they got bought by Facebook, and so it ended up that I have now it's like the one site that I use Facebook to log into. <laughs> and to your point, like if something is like a developer tool that I use for work, I tend to try to use the GitHub social login if they offer it. Or is it okay, well did I did I log in with my personal Google Google account or did I log in with my work Google account? And you know what? Oh, you want to know what really grinds my gears? If you got Google login, right? But if I if I do Google login and I choose the wrong Google account, and instead of saying mm. we don't have an account for that email address, mm. you just go ahead and create a new one for me. Right. Just like <laughs> I lost all my stuff. Where'd my stuff go? <laughs> well, I was gonna curse real bad, but just like F right off, right? Like that's that's just the worst. Cause now now I have to go dig around and hope that you have some sort of account delete thing automated and I don't have to like get in touch with customer service to delete this account that I never wanted in the first place. So that hopefully, like when I do, when I have the same problem next year, the 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 one time a year I need to log into your service, I'm like, wait a minute, this account exists. It was created a year ago. Why why is there nothing in it? Yo, oh. and with I don't understand what a pat what what did Apple come oh, out with like passcodes or something? Was it called passkey? Passkeys? Yeah, passkeys coming out soon. With Apple doing that, and I think Google's supposed to be doing something mm-hmm. similar. And the fact that, you know, like Twitter is melting down and people have been going off of Twitter and people are going off of Facebook, it, it feels like less and less. And, and I don't know how far this extends outside the world of technology or those, you know, in the world of technology. Like you want to own your identity. And I, I wonder if the concept of a social login is just going to phase out. Well, well, Paskey, so the whole thing with Paskey is like, 
it's a private, a public private key pair. And so you basically have your own, you have your own private key that's stored locally and you have to be able to biometrically log into the device. So typically it's your phone, but you never actually use the same password twice on any site. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the promise of passkey, which, you know, that, that sounds great because that's, that's the big problem is so, you know, some site gets hacked, Adobe or, you know, whoever, Microsoft, they get hacked, all the passwords are exposed. And now people tend to reuse the same password over and over again. Right. Just because, I mean, they're human. But with passkey, as long as you have your private key on your, you know, biometric device, then every single time you log in, it's a it's a new password every single time. So what's the and relation? You don't have to worry about it. What's the relation between something like this and like a YubiKey, which is like the it's like a, a YubiKey is like a USB thing that you plug into your computer and that authenticates. So it's it's kind of like a, a a slightly better version of like before we had like you know, Google Authenticator and apps on your phone to give you one-time passwords, people had them on like keychains, right? So mm-hmm. there's a little, little like, dongle that the yeah, number yeah. changed constantly. RSA, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like YubiKey came along and it's like, okay, well, I have my keys and they're plugged into the side of my laptop and that's good enough. Like it would somehow through the USB just know that, okay, you have Tim's device so you can log in as Tim. It's, it's kind of like that, but I mean, if someone stole your YubiKey, mm-hmm. they could basically plug it in somewhere else and log in as you with the idea is with a biometric device of passkey, it's like it's either your fingerprint or your face, you know, they, they're going to have to have that phone that has your, your private key stored on it in order to log into it. So it's a little more safe than, yeah, you lose a YubiKey and you're, you're sunk, right? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, probably not any more than if you lose your, you know, your Google authenticator keys. But, right, but you lose your phone, and a person can't use their fingerprint or their face mm-hmm. to log into it. They're not going to be able to get in sure. to a site. Yeah, that's, that's the theory. So anyway, I don't like social logins. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Yeah, that, that's exactly. That's why I have two logins on our Discord here because I used one email, and then another time, I some reason I couldn't get in, so I now have two. I, I think I kicked one of them out. <laughs> that's fine. The one you as long use. as I can log in. Cool. Well, I guess that seems like a good enough place to wrap it up. So, okay. So this episode of Working Code was brought to you by cutting your fingers off with a jigsaw. (laughs) And listeners like you, if you're enjoying the show and you want to make sure that we can keep putting more of whatever this is out into the universe with effort or without, you should consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons cover our recording and editing costs and we couldn't do this every week without them. Special thanks to our top patrons, Monty, Sean, and Giancarlo. If you want to help us out, you can go to patreon.com slash working code pod. All right, your homework this week, I'm going to say join our Discord. And that's going to be useful because we are planning, trying to put together, we don't have a date or anything yet, but a, a tentative plan to have a ga- another game night where we just get together and play video games or board games or something like that over our Discord video chat. Done several in the past, always a lot of, a lot of fun, really good time. And if you want to be involved in that, join our discord currently we're trying to shoot for some time between christmas and new year's eve i guess this this is coming out on december 28th so maybe we'll if possible schedule it later in the week so if you hear this and it's not (laughs) not january 1st yet get on the discord look for game night get the details and come have a good time with us on the after show tonight which is a you know after show is the thing that the patrons are just going to keep listening after your episode ends they're going to keep listening and tonight we're going to talk about tim is apparently drinking blood 
So mm. we're going to be asking him about that. <laughs> so that's too. what it looked like, at least. And and we'll see where it goes from there. Send <laughs> us your topics or questions at Working Code Pod on Twitter, as long as that continues to exist. We should set up a Mastodon or something, because I, I just every time I go on Twitter now, it's worse and worse. Join our Discord. Like I said, workingcode.dev slash Discord. You can email us at workingcodepod at gmail.com. That's it for us this week. We'll catch you next week. And until then, remember, your heart matters. No snappy comeback this time, because that's a... A 2023 problem. (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code.